0: Hello, listeners. I'm Victory Clafter, producer of Inside Outside Innovation. You're listening to episode 49, the first of two in which Josh interviewed Arnaud Bonzom, director of corporate innovation at 500 Startups. He shared some of the insights they gathered when his team compiled a report to answer the question, how do the world's biggest companies deal with the startup revolution? We've got the link to that paper in the show notes, One of the highlights in the report that you'll find there include that the United States is actually pretty far down the list in regards to global leaders. In this episode, you'll hear about some unique approaches to this startup involvement that Arnold has witnessed and why a corporation's culture and goals are more important than its tools and tech. going to have quite 500 but we will have around 100 startups at our Inside Outside Innovation Summit June 19th through the 21st here in the hub of the Silicon Prairie. Among many other things we'll have award-winning speakers such as Simone Ahuja, Tristan Cromer, and Michael Dougherty and a $100,000 pitch contest. If you're a corporation and you want our expert matchmaking between you and relevant startups take a look at our corporate packages at theiosummit.com. Now, let's get started.
1: Now for everybody so that we can understand, mention seven different ways that you identified for corporate startup engagement. Uh, We're probably familiar with things more like mergers and acquisitions or investment, but but what are some of the other ways that you identified that people are currently doing corporate startup engagement?
2: Yeah. So we didn't count M&A. If you look at the 500 biggest corporation, I think everyone is doing M&A. Then it depends if they're more or less active, but if you are them, if they're doing it, everyone will claim they're doing it. Uh, so what we look at is seven things that we feel like corporate, having some skin on the game to work with startups. So first, we look after which corporate is offering technical support or offering marketing support, the one offering startup program, startup competition, incubator or accelerator, co-working spaces, and the one offering investments, so the one having a corporate venture arm. So these are the seven criteria that we look after for those 500 companies. How did the companies decide which
1: of these uh, strategies made the most sense for them?
2: So what I'm seeing a lot now is corporate approaching us and telling us like, oh, we want to run a corporate accelerator, how oh, we should do it. So what I found is a lot of corporates sometimes are too excited about the tool they want to use, too focused about, oh, I think accessory is the perfect thing. And what I do with them most time is, is just doing a step back and try to think about first who they are. So what is the culture of the company? What is Under which time frame are they looking to solve the challenges they are facing, how much money they are willing to invest, et cetera. So the first thing is more about who they are. The second thing is more about which challenges they are facing, like a short-term, long-term, and also mid-term. And then based on those two things, we look after what are the best tools they can use. So sometimes it could be an accelerator, sometimes it could be having a startup program, or sometimes it could be using an accelerator but twist it in a way that it fits better the company. But corporate also need to know, for example, that an extra may pay off only in five or seven or even if 10 years. So if you're looking for short term results, maybe not an extra the best way to do it. Maybe late stage investment like series B, C, D, uh, better or just move to M and A, right? So then it's for the corporate to find the right balance between how much they're willing to invest per companies, and how long they're willing to wait to get results. And
1: what I really liked in your paper, which I encourage everybody to go to uh, the website, which you can give later to download, is that you kind of give some good barometers of people to think about those factors that you just went through, right, in terms of what their time horizon is, what their... A sensitivity to risk is or their cost, and you kind of at least give an initial high-level idea of, okay, if this is more like you, you should probably look at one of these types of services or, or one of these types of ways to engage with startups. So I appreciate the fact that there isn't a one-size-fits-all, like I think most people are trying to say, what is the magic thing? But your point of that there's a lot more going into it from a context perspective and an organizational perspective to help you determine which is the right tactic for you to engage uh, as you're thinking about working with startups.
2: Exactly. So it's why we have a, a, at the beginning of the report, like a table where we show like, what is corporate objective? Are they looking to do innovation or to change the culture of the company, for example, or to enter a new market? And then, for example, based on that, you have like some different corporate set of engagement will have a better fit than others. But at the end, what's also very important is who is the company and, and, uh, who are the employees, and who, who they can interact with startups. Because if you ignore this part, you, you may fail on your engagement with startups. Arnaud, what, what are some of the more creative ways that you're seeing corporations engage with startups? I think one of the interesting ways we found was a program um, done by Airbus, something called the BizLab Accelerator. And it's quite interesting because they're mixing employees and entrepreneurs inside the same program. So you get, like, a bash system, like every every other accelerator. So people come at the same time for a specific period of time. But the thing is, you get some teams who are done by external people, like entrepreneur, and you got some team who are done by entrepreneur people from the company, and they're going through the same bash together. So this was quite interesting because it's a way to mix innovation and, uh, and changing the culture in the company at the same time. And, and it was kind of a new way to do it, uh, where most of the corporate accelerator are just, like, bringing, like, external entrepreneur to join the program. So this, this for example, was quite an interesting way to do it. We found sometime also some corporate venture arm we have done in a very specific ways. So for example, Samsung and Mitsubishi. So Samsung, they have a fund where they have several Samsung subsidiaries who join to invest in the fund. So this was quite interesting. So for example, you get like, so this Samsung fund, and you may get like different business units, which here is more like, because Samsung is so huge, Is this is more about, uh, subsidiary joining the fund. So, for example, this fund they have like Samsung Electronics, Samsung AV Industry, Samsung Securities, etc. Who join as shareholders. So it is interesting because it's kind of a conglomerate, and every subsidiary was interested invest in this fund. Another one was quite interesting is the Mitsubishi one because it's more or less the same system. You get a lot of different Mitsubishi subsidiary who join the Mitsubishi fund. So you get Mitsubishi Logistics or Mitsubishi Gas Chemical Company, or Mitsubishi Estates, right? So very different. But they also open this fund to external investors. So you get some other people who invest, for example, Azai Glass Corporate Company, who are also like shareholders of this fund. So this is a different way to do it. So this is when we look on the details on some of those corporate funds. So basically, for all this corporate setup engagement, you can always look at what we mentioned in the report, like a lot of different ways. We give a lot of different examples about all some corporates are doing it. But then you can also decide to mix some different way to do it, or you can also decide to do it in different way. So basically, there's no limits. And I think it's really like looking at what could be the better fit with the challenge you are facing as a corporation and with the culture and with who you are as a corporation, too. So, if I am a corporation
1: who is not doing anything yet, it sounds like the first thing that you want me to do is to not say which of these tactics should I choose, but really just take a step back and say, really, what are our business goals and what is our culture and then how, through that lens, does it make sense for us to engage with startups. Is that right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so it's what I mentioned before. There's an image that I use quite often. It's like, what I mentioned, people are excited about the... About the weight, about the tools. So, for example, is you can be very excited about a Formula One, right? It looks like it's amazing car, um, top notch technology, et cetera, right? And people are like, okay, no, I like Formula One. I want to do Formula One race. And people are willing to buy only one car. But if you want to do Formula One is at least two cars, right? So this is a bit an image, for example, like when you want to run accelerator, you need most, for most time to do it at scale. If you look after corporate accelerator are working well, um, it's quite of large scale like Microsoft, Orange or Telefonica having like almost 100 startups a year going through their different programs. this is one thing. The second thing is if you're living in a mountain and you want to buy a Formula One, it will be useless, right? There's no point to have this kind of car if you live in a mountain. So sometimes it's what I say like they're a little bit too focused on the tool. They feel like accelerator or corporate VC is the perfect tool. But they didn't spend that much time to really think about what they really need, and maybe these other tools are not that sexy, uh, but it would be a perfect match. For example, what what we call a startup program is an amazing tool if you are a corporate who are looking to engage quite early with startups when you have a specifically a software product, and when you don't have a large churn. So, for example, like when you are Microsoft and you're offering like some free tools for a few years to startups, for example, like Visual Studio. If the startup have developed all their software with your own tool, after three years, they may stay with you. They may don't leave, right? Or if you think at a bank, if for three years they get free bank account or massive discount of using your service as a bank, after two, three, or five years, depending on how long is your program, if you're offering more or less the same service than any other bank and you're more or less at the same price, the entrepreneur would not move. He's having like a thousand other problems to deal with than deciding to change from a new bank. So this kind of thing could be some strategy to attract quite early startup to join your program. And especially when you are like software company, adding one or two more people using your product, it barely costs you anything. So these are, for example, like some very interesting thing, but fitting, especially like if you're like software company or bank and your incremental cost of a new user is quite low. Plus, when the program will end, you will have a very low churn. And then it's a perfect tool for acquiring and, and having a good retention of those people staying using your products.
0: That wraps up part one of Josh's conversation with Arnaud Bonzom. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn or at 500.co. Next week in part two, Arnaud's going to talk about innovation in smaller corporations and how to build trust between startups and corporations who might be a little suspicious of each other. Reach out to us on Twitter at the IO podcast and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, go out and innovate.